Are you a fan of one of the three high schools in the town of Fort Mill? Well, you've come to the right place to catch up on all the information surrounding your favorite team. We're just three old dudes who love high school athletics and love the town of Fort Mill. Call us, the Mouthy Milltowners. And welcome everybody to another edition of Mouthy Milltowners. Just the two of us this week. Uh, sorry about last week, a little bit ill. Uh, but this week is the two old curmudgeons. Uh, I hope you're okay with me saying that. Keith Cook, voice of the Nation Ford Falcons. Well, I guess we are older than Mac, right? Yes. Then yes. yeah, then we qualify. Although he wants to seem like he's in our <laughs> world, he's not. He's way. He's like, just a child. He's right? just a spring chicken. <laughs> still wet behind the ears. But appreciate y'all tuning in for another episode. Um, really appreciate all the support. Um, this week I got to see a couple people I hadn't seen in a while, and they were uh, big fans of the podcast, so we appreciate uh, their support for sure. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the Milltown Showdown if you want to, Keith. Um, two schools that a lot of respect for each other, but not a lot of love lost when it comes to every sport from here to underwater basket weaving and twiddlywinks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was Tuesday night. First of all, before we talk about the game, Huge ups, big tip of the cap to every single person who had a hand in rebuilding the hive. She looks phenomenal. Uh, Dwayne Hartso, the athletic director, nonstop, worked his fingers to the bone, burning up the phone lines, making sure people were on that thing and doing it right. Um, big ups to, to the principal, Zach Beam. Let me tell you something about Mr. Beam and his staff, the administrators. They were in dirty clothes mopping and wiping down the stands Tuesday afternoon so the boys and girls could play that night. In a 2,000-seat gym, they were literally on their hands and knees with mops and terry cloths and dirty water and clean water and God knows what. They probably dug up gum from 20 years ago or something. <laughs> Obsessive it, compulsive cleaners. Oh, right? it's, it, was, it was pristine. That's great. I mean, it was sparkling. Uh, Michael King at the district office, uh, Brian Zolka, uh, every single person who had a hand in rebuilding the hive, thank you, because she looks awesome. I got some feedback from, from some NAFO folks as well and just said that it was fantastic, especially given the amount of time and all the pressure that they had to get this ready during the season. Yes. was enormous, and the fact that they got it done, and it looks even better than it did before. That's uh, that's that's great news. It is, and and I tip my cap to every single person who bought a ticket and came into the hive on Tuesday night, packed to the gills. No um, surprise there. I'm yeah, no surprise. Student section for both schools well represented. In fact, spilling over into the to the general public, um, <laughs> it, and sometimes it, they were standing. A lot of them were standing the whole time. It was really amazing. At, at one point, I don't think people could hear me on the mic because of the noise, and that just warms my heart. That makes me feel so good inside. See all these young people and, and folks of the fans of these schools having a big old time. And the boys' game lived up to the hype. Boy, howdy, did it. Um, let's talk about the girls really quickly. JV girls uh, won that game going away. Natalie Henderson's bunch, along with Christy Kissel, again, just the one loss on the season for them. Uh, JV boys won as well. They only have the one loss on the year. Uh, with a tournament championship to add. Um, talk about the varsity girls real quick, if that's all right. Um, of course. It was basically a game where both teams really needed a win desperately. Uh, both Kelly Bennett's side and Nathan Rubel's side, 0-3 um, in region play. You drop to 0-4, your percentages of making the playoffs really take a dive because you got to think about it, it with the region – you only get so many region games, and now your margin for error is pretty much gone. Um, that game was real competitive early on. It really was. And Coach Bennett, when I say he went young because he had to, he went young. I think the young lady's name is Michaela Fish, I believe. JV player had to step up and play a lot of minutes at varsity. I'm talking about young people, freshmen, all of them, and – well, and then Araya Hurd's you know, an eighth grader, and the leading you, scorer. <laughs> right, and so that that just tells you what you need to know there. Coach Rubel's team, though, a little too much firepower. 
uh, especially in the second half. The defense got to Nation Ford. Uh, Coach Bennett said something to me before the game, Keith. He said, um, "He said, you know, you, you look at these young girls play their butts off, and then you look up at the scoreboard, and then Falcons are down by 30. Sure as heck, the same thing happened. You saw them going nose-to-nose with Fort Mill. Fort Mill was just down and dirty defensively. I mean, up in people's faces, flying around, low-scoring game. Um, and then all of a sudden, you looked up in the third quarter, and it's a 20-point game. Uh, so the same kind of thing happened. Uh, the final score um, of that contest, um, if I could find my spot here before I lose it, 68-40 to 40 was the final score. And that gave the Yellow Jackets their first region victory of the season. And then it was time for the boys. And, again, two teams needing a victory. Uh, I don't believe Coach Brown has defeated the Jackets, maybe. No, they did. They, they played two real tight games last yes. year. Overtime um, at Nation Ford last year. Yep. So it was only fitting we were going to have another tight game over here at the Hive on Tuesday night. And it was. It really was. And it was a fantastic game to watch. I hope all the fans feel the same way. Um, if you like drama, it was packed with drama. Um, every call got one fan base clapping and the other one howling from the roof. Um, it was just really a great game to watch. Um, you look at the scoring early on, and, and really it was Jackson Burnham set the tone. Um, so did Caden Giles. Fort Mill seemed to struggle all night long with Giles, and I wondered if they would because Caden's he's a big dude. I mean, yeah, he's tall, but he's thick, um, and he can and move. And he's wide, too, wingspan-wise, too. And he showed his athleticism. I think he had three dunks in mm -hmm. the game. Yep. Uh, so that tells you all need to know about Caden Giles. That, that, that's a weapon. I'm sorry. He is a weapon. Um, end of the first quarter, it was only a two-point game. Falcons led it by two. And then at the half, it was 25-20, Nation Ford. Again, the Jackson Burnham uh, show there in the first half. Uh, the younger brother of Benny Burnham, who had a great game for the College of Charleston. Last night, uh, he did, Last yep. night, yeah, he did. He, he blew it up as the Cougars uh, continue their winning ways. Well, that's a different story. <laughs> but Jackson Burnham at the half, folks, he had 12 points. He finished the game with 16. Um, at the end of the third quarter, Falcons pulling away 43-36. Jackets really needed to figure a way to get themselves back in the game, and they did that, Keith, at the free throw line. Well, and that's just it, is that you're going to get a highly contested game like this every single time, and it's all a matter of when you get to that charity stripe, are you going to be able to knock down those shots? And these guys have had ice in their veins over the course of this past week, and we saw that last year at Nation Ford, again, that overtime game. It was another situation where Nation Ford could have pulled away and maybe taken that game from Fort Mill, but Fort Mill just hung tough and chipped away and chipped away. And then when they went into overtime, they they hit, what, 9 out of 10 free throws last year? So, I mean, more of the same more here the, in this game. More of the same. Jacket scored 20 points in the fourth quarter, 10 of them from the charity stripe. Um, Fort Mill had the basketball with about eight seconds to play, and the set you could see, it looked like Nation Ford jumped the passing lane and kind of messed up the rhythm of the play a little bit. Um, and so that I think that had a, a – that played a huge impact, and to overtime we went. Um, and the Falcons didn't take long. I think it was 19 seconds was all it took for Ben Chuddy to nail a three from the left corner, and the place exploded, the, the red and black side. And you could just kind of feel, to me anyway, at that moment in time, now it was going to be a fight to get back into it um, in overtime. And Fort Mill had looks at the basket, uh, couldn't knock them down, and – in the end, Falcons win it 68-62 in overtime. Um, everybody should have been exhausted when they walked out of that arena because when it was over, I think it was 9.42 p.m. Golly, I remember seeing a late score coming in. Late score, yeah. I got in my truck at 10.01. <coughs> Man. So, you know, it, it was – but, hey, the hive was reopened. The Milltown showdown. Why should we have expected anything different than just a knockdown, drag-out fight and people, people have said to me, hey, you know, well, Fort Mill's this or Nation Four's that. When these two teams play each other, I don't care what the records are. I really don't. I'll give you a perfect example. In 2022, 
the Yellow Jackets of Fort Mill won the state championship softball, right? People seem to forget in the game at Nation Ford, in the top of the sixth, it was one nothing Falcons. And then Fort Mill exploded offensively and, and won it. But even in that situation, you've got the 5A state champions being pushed to the brink by Nation Ford, who on paper, quote-unquote on paper, were the inferior team. That's not what they look like in my eyes, and I'll stand in the dugout. Well, there's That's Nation Ford, Fort Mill. That, there's something about that rivalry. And, you know, of course we've got Catawba Ridge, and you know, not trying to discount them at all. Yeah, still building. And, yeah. and next year, you know, we'll get into realignment later. Well, and, it's going to get worse. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's <laughs> gonna to be, you know, the, the, you've got, you're going to have, you know, a three-sided rivalry essentially. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. But when you get into games like that, and like you said, you throw those records out, they just want to win. Yes. And that, and and they don't care about how the season's gone up to that point. Nope. And I mean, it just it, it seems to prove it time and again, especially in the boys' basketball. Two words: bragging rights. Right. Yep. And, and that's what these kids. You want to know what these kids are all about because they go out to eat after the game, and you know they're making some snide comments. Oh, to of course. It. You know it's coming. <laughs> um, it, and so um, that's how that game ended. So you fit. That that's a huge win for Coach Brown. And Giles had 18, and he's normally yes. not, you know, up at the top of the scoring sheet every night. Think he had a double night. double, I think. Yeah. So yeah. that that was that was that probably proved to be the difference in the game, uh, outside of Chuddy and Burnham doing what they do. And, and you know, Jackson Burnham is going to get his, so to speak. There, there's just no two ways around that, and he certainly did as well. But I think I'm with you. I think the 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 player of the game was probably Giles, um, and then a huge shout out to to, to Ben Chuddy. I mean, what a huge role he yeah, played he as stepped well. Up so, too. Um, so that was how Tuesday night ended. Flip on into Friday night if we can really, really quickly. Um, in the girls' game, uh, as Fort Mill made the trip down to the Midlands to take on the Blythewood Bengals, a tough place to play. It just is. And the Lady Jackets fell to Blythewood 47-38 to in that ball game. Uh, again, the JV girls won their game. Uh, so after the loss at Blythewood, you look at Region 3-5A uh, in the standings, surprise, surprise, said no one ever, at the top of the heap, the Rock Hill Bearcats. Um, and speaking of the Rock Hill Bearcats, want to give thoughts and prayers to the family of Coach Jim Ludlow. Um, I'm going to try not to cry just saying that, but um, unfortunately he lost his battle and um, has passed away. So Coach L Ludlow, he loved his Indiana Hoosiers. And he loved those Rock Hill Bearcats. There's a picture on on um, X from Coach Kenny Orr, cousin Kenny. We call cousin him Kenny, that's cousin right. Kenny, and it's and it's Coach Jim holding the state championship trophy, and that just brings tears to your eyes and fills your heart. He loved those girls. He loved Rock Hill basketball. He was a hoops guy. Um, so rest in peace. Yes, uh, Coach Jim for sure. But. Uh, Cousin Kenny's Rock Hill Bearcats, 19-3 overall, 6-0 in region play. <laughs> then there's the Blythewood Bengals, 4-2 in region play. And then kind of a logjam a little bit, you've got Spring Valley, Clover, and Fort Mill. And I, actually, I misspoke. I said that was Fort Mill's first region victory of the season. It was not. Jackets are actually 2-4 and four mm -hmm. in region play. And then the Falcons, I'll let you talk about them in, in a second here. Keith, um, unfortunately, they're at the bottom, 10-11 overall, 0-6 in region play and, and not many region games left, unfortunately, for Coach Bennett. Right, and that's kind of – they're kind of, you know, on the outside looking in at this point base. Uh, I've not looked at the brackets or anything like that. I usually depend on our bracketologist, Mac Banks, to uh, to clarify all that for us. I don't think they've been released. Okay. Because Mac Banks is usually like butter on popcorn. He's usually <laughs> all over that. He is. Uh, he stalks the South Carolina High School League website, and as soon as – and the other thing is the coaches. The coaches want right. to know. Yep. And I think it's a great point you just made because last year, didn't the fifth team get in? Yeah, it did. Yeah. So, and by the way, Tuesday night, here's the surprise for you. A guy who used to coach for the Nation Ford Falcons, he's now an administrator over at York Prep, Jared Adamson came over uh -huh. and said hello. Uh, coach A, a great dude. Great dude. I'm a big fan of the beard, by the way. I mm. love that. It's really cool. Um he was such a good coach and so great with those kids. Um, I flat out told him, I was like, it's a loss for Nation Ford, um, to, in my opinion. To yeah, have him and, go. and Keith, little Keith and I were talking about him actually yesterday. We were talking really? about 
about yeah it's funny that you mentioned that we were talking about um uh the early morning workouts that these kids put in during baseball right now you know they're in the gym by 6 30 to lift weights and we you know and coach adamson came up and all that and he he said yeah i really didn't mind it the only thing i really that really bothered me most about that was that i had to rush home take a shower and come back to school and that was it that was it yeah. <laughs> yeah. that was it, it wasn't that coach was killing me in the in the weight room it was it was you gotta do i didn't have yeah. any time left didn't have any time yeah and that that's great dude i mean it, he's got to do what he's got to do an administrator over at york prep and i i see him being back one day great coach great guy and and, um, and he's over there uh playing with romano right probably telling romano what to do <laughs> would probably be my <laughs> guess uh but that's just one humble man's opinion right <laughs> so um and keith go ahead and 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 take over here nation forward on friday night um no rest for the weary not long to celebrate uh the victory of um over fort mill as the in an unprofessional moment, uh, the software uh, crapped out on us. We have no idea where it crapped out on us. <laughs> That's why we are an unprofessional pro podcast, um, a podcast, whatever the heck a podcast is. But um, we're going to try to pick up where we think it left off because the software doesn't allow us to fast forward. Keith, we were talking about the Falcons at Clover um, on Friday night. Falcons versus Blue Eagles. Um, just... One of those places where it's just tough to go to and, and get a win in anything. Yeah, no matter what sport it is. I mean, we used to joke around way back uh, in in middle school that we could go down to Clover and beat them in baseball just about any time we wanted to. And, and we did regularly, but it was never easy. And it's still never easy. And all of their sports have improved over the years. And so – Basketball definitely being one of them. Falcons have to go down after that uh, matchup against Fort Mill on Tuesday night. So there's probably a little bit of a hangover there, so to speak. Uh, they're probably tired, uh, emotionally drained, but they needed to get back up and try and get that victory. And for the girls, they ran into a buzzsaw. Clover's been very good on varsity girls so far this season, and they got out to a lead early and ended up beating the Falcons 54-33. Uriah Hurd with eight, and Aubrey Morrow with seven points in that game, and those were the two leading scorers against Fort Mill. Uh, Uriah had 15, and Aubrey had 12 in that game. That drops the Falcons to 0-6 in the region, 10-11 and overall, and they're just going to have to find a way to get a couple of wins to try to sneak into the state tournament. Uh, as we mentioned before, there's uh, the brackets are not out yet that we know of, and so we don't know if we can rely on that fifth uh, playoff spot and get just one win. But uh, I know Coach Bennett will get them rallied up and, and ready for the last four games of the regular season. Turning to the varsity boys, Coach Brown obviously having a good time beating Fort Mill for his first win against the Yellow Jackets in his career. And in that game, Caden Giles, 18 points. Jackson Burnham, 16, and Ben Chuddy with 14. They go down to Clover, and they get a, a, a really good game, and we knew that it was going to be a pretty tight game because these teams are bunched up in the standings in Region 3-5A. Clover gets out to a, a pretty good sizable lead. The Falcons chip away, and it gets to the point where Clover decides that they're going to pull the Dean Smith and do the four corners. <laughs> And uh, just to try Boring. to yes, try to keep uh, Chuddy and company away from scoring and getting ahead. The Falcons do end up tying, but do fall to a couple of free throws, 56-54. Tough loss for the Falcons. Ben Chuddy, the bright spot there with 20 big points. And he's coming on down the stretch, and that's what the Falcons are going to need. They're going to need different players to chip in because we all know Jackson Burnham's going to score his points when he scores yep. his points. And so you got to rely on your other guys. And my dad used to always tell me when I was playing basketball that the other team's leading scorer, he's going to get his. Don't worry about him. Just shut everybody else down, and That's you have it. a shot at winning. Don't don't. If you try to shut down the main cog, the main cog's probably going to get theirs, like you said, and then you're opening the door for somebody else to quote unquote be the hero. Yep. Um, I argue right now. We talked about Kate and Giles, Ben Chuddy has been coming alive. I think he's that, that third – got to have three people. You know, you talk about Fort Mill basketball and the three cogs there. You talk about A.J. Washington um, is in that car, so on and so forth. But for the Falcons, you know Jackson Burnham, you know Cade Giles, Ben Chuddy, 
you don't want to be the third wheel, but in basketball you kind of do. So um, he's been coming along. And he's welcomed that role too. And that's just kind of, and you can kind of tell by his uh, the confidence in his shot. And they're going to need him a lot this week. Uh, all the basketball teams will be at home all week, Tuesday night against Blythewood. And for the boys, that's probably they're ranked in the top five, Blythewood, the Bengals are. So that's going to be a tough game if – Coach Brown can get these guys to steal one from them. They're going to be looking pretty good in the region standings. And then on Friday night, Rock Hill, the Bearcats come to town. And Fort Mill, or pardon me, Nation Fort has already beaten Rock Hill once this season. And so they're hoping that they can hold serve in their home court and continue to move up the standings and maybe a possible home playoff berth down the road for the Falcons. So Boys three and three, ten and eleven overall, and the girls match them overall ten and eleven, but zero and six in region play. So, Falcons have got some work ahead of them on both sides, yeah. and they've got some formidable opponents this week. But they can certainly pull off some of these wins. Yeah, big big week indeed for for both Fort Mill and for Nation Ford. Fort Mill having to take on uh, Spring Valley and and having to take on Rock Hill. Um, even Rock Hill's down this year, but still a tough place. And then last week of the season, Clover and Nation Ford. So uh, good times. I said no one ever. Um, I can't. I think the coaches look at that like, uh, here we go again. Um, it's just one of those things. Uh, so best of luck to the Jackets and the Falcons this week. Big week for both, and hopefully they can get wins. Continue to stay in that mix. Yeah, they're both three and three in Region Three Five A. But they can catch the Clover Blue Eagles. I don't think anybody's catching the Blythewood Bengals. Bengals are going to win region 3-5-A, it looks like. But 2-3-4, and four, there's that. that's a dogfight. What does it matter? It does matter. If you're the second seed in region 3-5-A, you're at home in the first round of the playoffs. It's a big deal. Um, and by the way, if you want to talk about tiebreaker situations, the tiebreaker situation for the Yellow Jackets of Fort Mill, in order to get to Clover, they're going to have to beat the Blue Eagles again and beat – They would, I think they would have to also beat Nation Ford. The only way the Jackets get the tiebreaker over the Falcons is they're going to have to beat the Falcons in the nest by seven points or more. That's a big – but just beating Nation Ford in the nest is big enough. Now you've got to win by a touchdown. That That's asking a lot, but stranger things have happened. Matter of fact, I talked about this – um, with somebody earlier in the week, I think it was 2016, uh, Billy DeLuca was a basketball player for Fort Mill, Ryan Harriet, that whole team. Same kind of feel. Fort Mill lost at home to the Falcons and then went to the Falcons to finish the year and won by, I think, 9 or 10. We've seen this movie before. Will it repeat itself? I don't know. We'll sh we shall see. I'm going to switch over to the Catawba Ridge Copperheads. Um, and they had an interesting week, um, really, truly, over at, at the at the pit, the swamp. And the girls got a victory. The they the Lady Copperheads been struggling this year. Coach uh, Presley, a very young team, uh, but she's they continue to fight, scratch and claw. Uh, they defeated the Northwestern Trojans, uh, seventy-one to thirty-one. Massive victory uh, for uh, Coach Presley. Um, heck of a performance there. You beat Northwestern by 40. I mean, that, you're you're talking huge doings there. Um, and they just keep moving up the standings, despite the fact that they are what five and 16 overall, but they're three and three in the region. So they're yes, they they are in a good position to go to the playoffs. They they really are. And and you look at their overall record and you think, how can that be six and 15? But folks, it, like Keith just said, it's the region play. And the Copperheads, 3-3 three and three in region play. Um, you're mixed in there. I think Northwestern and York, I think that's going to be 5-6. and six. So if the Catawba's Copperheads can finish in that top four, they are going to the postseason. And I think that would be a huge feather in the cap, cap for uh, Sheridan Presley and her staff. Absolutely. And, and I'm looking at the league standings right now, and this, this blows me away. The Catawba is 5-16 and 3-3 and three and three in the league. They're fourth in the league. And then you go up the standings, Indian Land, 7-13, and 13, but they're third in the region. Lancaster, 4-13. and 13. All four wins have come in the region, region, so they are in second place in the region. That just blows me away. Behind the South Point Stallions, that is absolutely amazing. 
And that just goes to show you, and you hear coaches all the freaking time say this. It's about it's like NASCAR. It ain't how you start. It's how you finish. If you finish strong in, that, in region play, all that stuff that happened before region play, hey, pat yourself on the back or pick yourself up. It is what it is. But region play, that's where the rubber meets the road. And if you, you look at it, uh, the Copperheads out of region play, not such a great record, but inside region play, they're holding their own. And that's a big, big tip of the cap because they are really, really young. Um, I think they've got two seniors, Addie Cunningham and uh, Morgan Davis. Uh, so Copperheads, again, continuing the fight. Um, the boys, just I say hate to say just another ho-hum week in the world of Coach Childers <laughs> yeah. and Catawba Ridge basketball. But, folks, that's kind of what it was. Uh, Northwestern, they destroy the Trojans in the arena. 67-36. I mean, beat down. Just absolute uh, beat down. Uh, low scoring game in the first part of it. Uh, halftime score was only 18-8, to eight, I think. And then the Copperheads exploded. 20 points in the third quarter. 29 in the fourth period to down the Northwestern Trojans. And then on Friday night, uh, longtime rival, the South Point Stallions. Uh, won't be rivals for long because uh, that's fixing to change. But that game, Catawba Ridge won that game 60-45. to 45. Second quarter, Keith, you ready for this? Copperheads outscore the Stallions 22-9 to nine huh. in the second period. You can't win a game in the first half, but you sure as heck can lose one in the first mm, half, yes. and that's what happened to the Stallions. So the Catawba Ridge Copperheads are an impressive 6-0 and in Region 3-4A, 19-2. I'm going to say it again. 19 and freaking two overall. Ranked third in the state. Ranked third in the state. And that just, again, we figured it'd be Catawba Ridge against Lancaster. Lancaster had some one guy, one important guy get hurt out for the year. We hope he's going to be okay. And then lost some other guys due to other circumstances. So Lancaster's in second place. They're five and one in region play. Indian Land three and two. South Point two and four. Northwestern one and five. York in the bottom. Uh, winless in region uh, 3-4-A. This week for Catawba Ridge, um, they're going to have to enjoy two more home games. I know that's going to stink. What a shame. Home, what a shame. Um, against the York Cougars um, and then against the Lancaster Bruins. And then they finish the season on the road at Indian Land and at Northwestern. Coach Childers is not going to be happy with me saying this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. I would be shocked if they lost another game. I would in be the too. regular season. Yep, me I, too. I would totally be 100% shocked. And Coach Childers just literally drove his car off the road or, or <laughs> threw his radio down. Well, um, and, and what's even scarier is if you look at their – since they lost their last game against Burns in the uh, Burns Holiday Classic, uh, they just only – the South Point was the closest game at 15 points, <laughs> and they win 90 to 17, 82, 34, 69, 40. The list goes on. They beat Lancaster by 31, who was supposed to be their their toughest competition in the region. They go and blow Indian Land out by 26, beat Northwestern by 31. I mean, the firepower is unbelievable over there on Copperhead Drive. Oh, it's amazing, and we talked about it. Or before the season even started, you felt like this could be a special year for Catawba Ridge, and it's shaping up to be. But, again, it's a different star every night. Lance Barnes got, quote-unquote, the belt. There is a belt. Most outstanding player gets the belt. Well, he had 34 the other night, right? Yeah, and that's a shame. Yeah. By the way, he's only a sophomore. Have we mentioned that before? Um, <laughs> got two more years of this, and he's amazing. coming into the region. Amazing. And, and Zion Hager's over there going, hey, don't forget about me. I'm right here. Uh, hello. Uh, still here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just amazing stuff down the stretch here for Catawba Ridge. Going to switch over and talk about wrestling. Um, a region championship was handed out uh, this week. The Fort Mill Yellow Jackets are the Region 3-5A champions. Uh, they went to Clover. Um, that was held Friday night, or excuse me, that was held on Saturday. Uh, Fort Mill won region uh, 3-5A tournament, 227 and a half points. Clover finished second at 177. Fort Mill had six wrestlers win six region championships, sending 10 to the finals. Fort Mill dominated the first six weight classes with six champions coming from the top of their lineup. 
Yellow Jackets undefeated in region play. The region champions for the Jackets, uh, Luke Van Bynum uh, at the 106, Jacob Nally at 113, Lincoln Green at 120, Tucker Gibson at 126. Uh, my man, my one of my – I love this kid uh, – at the 132 class, Logan Shope, a three-sport athlete. He can play football or he's a linebacker, he's a wrestler, and he's a baseball player. So – uh, all around in an all-around great kid and then at 132 Aiden Eubanks um, what a season he's had uh, Fort Mill also had some second place finishers Broden Mitchison finished second at the 157 Theodore Ernst at the 175 Sebastian Villatoro at 190 Joseph Richardson at 215 uh, coach Adam Marillo first year head coach after legendary coach Chris Brock retired after winning the state championship they're just moving merrily along. Um, and he he was funny after the match. He said, yeah, you want to win them all. Uh, that's just his standard. Um, and so that Fort Mill is going to go into the playoffs with a massive bullseye on its back. But you keep looking at these quote-unquote standings, and everybody's got Somerville up there. And just a friendly reminder, Fort Mill beat Somerville for the state championship. And last time I checked – when you got the belt, you're the champion until somebody you takes gotta, it. You're the man until someone beats the man. man as, that's correct. As uh, Ric Flair would say. 14-time or yeah. how many world champion. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, and yes, I'm jaded in my opinion. I wear blue and gold. But this Fort Mill squad, you watch them wrestle. Listen, I watch them play or wrestle the Rock Hill Bearcats, who have multiple state championships. I think the final score of that match, of that uh, duel, 50 to 15. Let that marinate for a second. This is a perennial power getting donkey stomped. Well, and they, 50 and, to 15. And on Wednesday night, I guess it was, they just, you know, uh, oh, by the way, beat Nation Ford 72 to 2. And, and yeah. you're, and you're, and Nation Ford's not that bad. I mean, no, they're, they're pretty good, actually. No, and, and, and I asked Coach Murillo after just beating the crap out of Rock Hill, and the first words out of his mouth were, I'm proud of everybody, but we have work to do. That, to me, that's just – and you watch them wrestle and pay attention to what they're doing. They're on a mission. Well, and you they're figure after, after Coach Brock retires, you figure there might be a little bit of drop-off, maybe. maybe. But they've gotten better. <laughs> And you never want to follow the legend. You never no. want to be that person, that man or woman. But Coach Morello has taken that and gone, well, thank you very much. I'm going to prove everybody wrong. And, um, hey, big ups to him. Um, speaking of the nation forward wrestling, big deal this week. A very special moment for a young man. Absolutely. Uh, the Falcons finished fifth in the, in the region championship this past weekend. Uh, we did have a couple of region champs, one Derek – by Lynn Van Sendwick, and I hope I said that right. He's a region champ. Will Clark second. Danny Gil Gilstorf second. Also, Suleiman Oscar third. Jake Moore, Austin Gebhardt, and Michael Kay all finished fourth in their respective weight classes. And the other region champ that we were talking about is friend of the program and one of my favorites, Mitchell Adamas who became a region champ uh, yesterday. And not only that, but he hit the milestone 100th win in the program. So an unbelievable milestone for Mitchell. And, um, you know, I can't say much more about this athlete. He's just a tremendous athlete, tremendous kid. So uh, congratulations to everybody who won their region championships this weekend uh, from both schools. Yeah, it, just my humble opinion from what I've seen. Uh, Josh Mayo and uh, Mitchell Adamas, pound for pound, best student athletes on yes. campus, boys. Yes. Just for boys. And, I mean, we could have that debate, but both those guys would be happy. Fantastic athletes. Each other. Those two are just amazing to watch. And I guess we've got Josh one more year over at Nation Ford. And, uh, oh, yeah. Mitchell's a, a senior, so it'll be tough to see him go, but I'll have him one more season here in baseball. baseball so we're yeah. all excited about that. But – I mean, that's uh, that's persistent and that's consistent winning by Mitchell Adamas to get that 100th win. Well, and speaking of wrestling, a, a program that has really come on strong this year, Catawba Ridge. Um, boy, howdy, Friday night at Indian Land. The Copperheads came away with 12 qualifiers for their upper state tournament, which will be held next month. Holy smokes. Two th 
Region 3 4A champions, Jarrett Eubanks, continues to amaze at the 175. He just rolling along. He He's just being selfish. He's not even let the other guy score. <laughs> Don't give him a chance, well. right? Alex Johnson at the 215, also a region champion. Uh, the wrestlers finished second. Finishing second were Cole Stuckets and Jackson Rozelle, and the Copperheads had four third-place finishers. Josh uh, Gitz, Clark Ostendorf, Ryan Stuckets, and Bo Nickel. Um, Those Stuckets kids are uh – Great athletes, also, also baseball players. Yeah, they also, and, and also want to um, say a big up to Catawba Ridge. Um, the girls competed um, in a state championship, um, and it looks like two state champions Carson Robertson, first place, Audrey Naughton, first place, Sophia Torres, fourth place. Um, so, Another year, more state champions championships for the Catawba Ridge Copperheads in year five, and we just talked to Coach Rick Lewis. That's going to put a big smile on his face. Absolutely, and um, wrestling is looking pretty good here in the Middletown for all three schools, but uh, like you said, more state championships for the Catawba Ridge Copperheads, and, I mean, you want to talk about a force to be reckoned with. We talk about the, the Greenville Corridor. We talk about the Spartanburg schools, the Dormans and Wandos and all that down in Charleston as well. And not only that, but you you know, the Columbia schools down an hour away from us. But I'll tell you what, you know, we're talking about pound for pound best athletes. I'd almost argue that pound for pound, this, the town of Fort Mill is as good as any when it comes to high school athletics. Yeah, they're really doing a great job. And just the coaches and and who they are and you meet them and you talk to them you see the passion coach lewis talked about that you got to find the right fit um and i think these three athletic directors are finding great fits they are um they're they're finding who they need uh coach lowry taking over for coach hartso in boys basketball uh for nation forward getting kelly bennett to move from clover to nation forward uh getting a zach lindak at Catawba Ridge, um, it just really, really uh, huge deal. Coach Verzuski, the head baseball coach, their state champions, ran into him. He, they're looking to figure out how to get their banner in there on time and <laughs> put it on their on the outfield wall. I can't wait to see it. Congratulations. Yeah, before they may even hang a second one out yeah. there. And I hadn't seen him since they won the title, so I shook his hand and gave him a congratulations. And uh, you could see just he's proud, and he should be. He, heck, that's not many people – have a ring on their finger that says baseball champion. So um, these athletic directors really doing a bang-up job. We talked about Catawba Ridge and their old foes in South Point and Langster. Well, not anymore. And this time we're not projecting or assuming or getting on our high horse about what could be, what might be, what did, what not. Now we can get on our high horse and step on our soapbox about what actually happened and, and we predicted this. We did predict this. <laughs> and I'm not one to say I told you so. Keith might be. I told um, you so. Because I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Now, the the one thing that we, that we were a little skeptical about was whether or not Clover was going to try to move into another region with maybe Boiling Springs and Gaffney and maybe move to the, the, the southern part of the upstate yeah, yeah. for travel reasons only, or if they were going to try and stick it out. And I guess ultimately it won out that Clover is going to stay in Region 35A, which, you know, that that's a natural rival for us in, in the mill town yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, when I was over at Clover, um, appreciate Bailey Jackson letting me broadcast over there. First broadcast I ever had was at Clover, and Bailey Jackson's been a huge supporter of that, and I appreciate that. Um when I go, went over to Clover, I talked to some parents, people, um, not, not employees of the school, but just fans. They wanted no part of the Spartanburg Corridor. Um, and, and matter of fact, a couple of them actually said, yes, York is, quote, unquote, their rival, but they really look at the Fort Mill Yellow Jackets and go, we want to scalp them. Of course. That, that, that's coming from Clover people. That's not me hyping it up. That's what they said to me. Of course they want to beat York. That's the Clover and York, that's been rivalry for forever. Buku's ages. Yeah. Even before they were known as the Cougars. Right. Um, and because it was, I think they were the Cardinals, Patriots, and Green Dragons, I think. And then they became the Cougars and somewhere in the 80s. But 
that goes back long, long time, decades. But if I asked Clover people point blank, and they said, we want to beat York, and we want a piece of Fort Mill. That's what they said. So I don't, I don't doubt that at all. And, and so that's going to continue because Region 3-5A, starting next year, will be Fort Mill, Indian Land, Nation Ford, Catawba Ridge, <laughs> Rock Hill, Northwestern, and Clover. And you thought that it was uh, the original 3-5A that we've had recently has been the region of doom. It gets infinitely harder adding those schools in right now. And there were a ton of appeals. Um, some schools won their appeals. Some schools lost their appeal. The majority lost them. I, yeah, the I majority think. did, I think, is, is a safe bet. As, as From what I understand, from what I've heard uh, through the grapevine and what was published, um, I think in the end there were 54 teams. Um, <laughs> in 5A uh, <laughs> sports, um, in 4A, um, you know, Lancaster still stayed in 4A. That's not going to change as well. Um, and then in Class 3A and 2A, um, it's one of those things where you look at the region and you think, holy smokes, how are the football coaches going to work their way around that? Or is it going to be one of these things where you play five region games and there's one Kind of a rotating play. It's a rotating thing. But this is something uh, selfishly I've been wanting for years, um, and it's here. Now, that's earlier than I thought because I, I I was with Coach Lewis. I thought Catawba Ridge and Indian Land were another two years away. Got that one way wrong. But um, from what we understand, neither of those schools uh, appealed there. So we know Catawba Ridge didn't officially. Coach Lewis told us that. So. Um, they're all part of Region 3-5A right here in the York County corridor with Indian Land being just across the Sugar Creek uh, in Lancaster County. But can you imagine what that's going to look like in baseball, in softball? What is that going to look like in wrestling? There is no night off in baseball. Th there's, I don't really see a whole lot of nights off in anything. Right. Uh, tennis? And let's just talk about the elephant in the room, football. What in the Sam Hill is football going to look like? Well, the Milltown Championship now means even more because you're also in the region. That's correct. And, and, and a, a Milltown victory could mean a region championship. And that's just – now you just, you just took a fire and just threw a bunch of gasoline on top of it. Um, and, and I think you're going to see some rivalries begin. I think you're going to see the same kind of chippiness between um, Catawba Ridge and Indian Land, obviously Fort Mill and, and, and Nation Ford, but now Catawba Ridge is a region matchup. I'm, I'm thinking hoops right off the top of my head. Now I'm thinking, yep. you know, Coach Childers against Coach Brown and Coach Lowry. Now it's for a region victory. For some, some extra marbles, so uh, to speak. Yeah, for sure. And you just see what those three teams are doing. I'm just thinking about the other sports going, man, alive. All those region titles for Indian Land and for Catawba Ridge, and now they're in Region 3-5A. Um, just my opinion, that's all it is. But I think for the folks that think that you know, Indian Land is just going to be like this redheaded stepchild. I don't think so. No, not at all. I don't think so at all. I think the Warriors are like, get some. They've proven their worth. Yep. I mean, even just with the, the games against the Fort Mill teams, yep. uh, they have hung with them. Uh, the baseball program under Hal Bagwell has gotten better, and they've come up and, and uh, put some hurtings on us as well. So, I mean, it's yep. just – it's nope, just a matter of time, and then once they get acclimated into actually being in the region, then, I mean, they're a really dangerous program. It, it's going to be – I almost want to say it's going to be a nightmare. Um, it just – it's daunting. It's going to be daunting in so many different things. For those who are wondering, I'll give you the rest of uh, the upstate and, and then Region 4 in the Midlands. Region 1 um, – <laughs> Easley, Greenville, Greenwood, Hillcrest, Jail Man, Malden, T.L. Hannah, and Woodmont. We'll talk about get some. <laughs> yeah, but you thought that's bad. Here's Region 2. Oh, yeah. Boiling Springs, Dorman, Eastside, Gaffney, Burns, Riverside, Spartanburg, Wade Hampton. Hashtag good luck with all that. Hashtag slap yo mama. <laughs> oh, it's going to be bad. Region 4, Chapin, Dutch Fork, Irmo, Lexington, River Bluff. 
and White Knoll. Golly, so <laughs> if I'm getting this it's correct, not funny, but, it but is. they've they they've moved those teams into the upstate, right? They were lower state before, right? I mean, if you like Lexington and River Bluff, and I, yeah, I'm gonna make that. I don't know for sure, but just the way they published it, it gives that impression, doesn't because it? Because we never. We've never had to worry about playing Irmo or Lexington or even River nope. Bluff in the playoffs. No. no. Um, and then I Blythewood's mean, in Region 5. Fort Mill has had to tangle. I mean, Dutch Fork would play yeah. them in baseball in right. the playoffs. Um, we've had to tangle with Lexington uh, in softball. That They're a huge program. I think they've got five state titles. Yeah, that's insane. Lexington. Uh, River Bluff, the Gators, they're just good in so many things. Chapin, uh, just a powerhouse. And then White Knoll. Um, well, and River Bluffs the defending state champion in baseball, right? Yeah. So yeah, and the White Knoll Timberwolves went pretty far in in football this year. Yeah, they did. And we know what Dutch Fork did. Yep. Um, that kind of speaks for itself. But the way it's listed, there's four region. There are eight regions around the state, and I think if I assume what you're saying, Keith, is well, if there's four, and four, doesn't that mean upper state? Well, traditionally it has. Five through anyway. eight would be lower state. Yep. Um, I, I can't say that I disagree with that. Um, I'll just give everybody who knows athletics in the state of South Carolina, here's here's some more for you. Region five is Blythewood, <laughs> Lugolf, Elgin, Ridgeview, Spring Valley, Sumter, Westwood, and West Florence. Gee whiz. It's region six, Carolina Forest, Conway, Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle Beach, Sacristy, St. James. Man. Region 7, here's a get some region. Yeah, it is. Berkeley, Cane Bay, <laughs> Goose Creek, Lucy Beckham, Stratford, and Wando. Oof. And then Region 8, not to be outdone, <laughs> right. Ashley Ridge, Fort Dorchester, James Island, Restall, Somerville, and West Ashley. My oh, gosh. my gosh. Well, in James Island, I, I was told, is um, – they're kind of a charter school, aren't they? Um, somebody told me recently that James Island was not your traditional public school, but they're so big that they yeah, yeah, got moved it, to five A. It's I think their name is James Island Charter School. I think. Okay. Um, We've never played them as long as I've been at Nation Ford and anything, so I just yeah, wouldn't I know. Off the top of my head, I can't think of when Fort Mill. I know the Jackets have played St. James, but not. James Island. Um, I, I can't think of one, but but when you're down in Charleston, and I spent a lot of time in Charleston the last three years, when you're down there, there's a lot of hubbub around a Wando. Um, there's a lot of hubbub around a Bishop England, a James Island. Um, they, they <laughs> Somerville, West Ashley, they yeah. talk a lot about how proud they are of that area and what it can do, that Charleston and corridor. And West Ashley, are they in uh, Monk's Corner or are they in actually No, Monk's Charleston? Corner is Berkeley. Berkeley, that's um, right, yeah. But, yeah, West Ashley, a little bit further down the interstate and I think to, like, the southwest a little bit. Um, but, again, just – and if you look at how fast the state of South Carolina is growing, mm -hmm. according to the data, Charleston is growing the fastest. Greenville is second. And then where we're sitting right now is third. Yep. So – Charleston's going to continue to get richer and richer because of all the people moving there. The Greenville corridor, find, finding a place to live in Greenville County is like pulling teeth. So people are living in a Boiling Springs and going to work in Greenville, or they're living in a Duncan. Mm -hmm. So now these burns and Boiling Springs and uh, Riversides and Maldens, they're all going to get dormant. harder and harder yep. and harder uh, to do anything. Um, and really the downside to me is – when you have high population schools like that, there are kids that are getting cut that could probably start for another team or at least play on another right, team. Right, absolutely. And that's the unfortunate part. Um, but that, hate to be cruel, but that is kind of life. I mean, you got to, sometimes you don't cut the mustard and you come back stronger. And there's a lot of people that get cut from sports that end up becoming coaches or they end up becoming a part of that because it's in their blood and, and, Sometimes the brain has the capacity to execute these things, but the body's not there. Right. And you see that uh, with kids. And, and um, that's why you hear people say um, superstars usually don't make great coaches because sometimes they can't relate to the kids who had to 
to grind, struggle to get in, sweat and bleed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you talk to these coaches who are successful; they've had successful careers as players, but they had to grind it. Yeah, they had to really dig in um, and and really just put their best foot forward. So that five A fifty four teams. Like Coach Lewis said, it will be really freaking interesting to see how they do big 5A, little 5A. Um, and I assume that that's still on the table at this yes. at this point. This is not my opinion. This was something that a parent said to me at Clover, of all places. A Clover parent said this to me. Why do we have to have a big 5A and a little 5A? Why not just have a 6A? That's a fair question. I think it is a fair question. I don't really know the answer. I, we would have to let the league uh, tell us that. But, hey, listen, remember, these schools voted to give the league the power to do this. And, and listen, there's no silver bullet. Right. They were going to ruffle some feathers uh, with some people, regardless of how these appeals landed. And some of these schools did get their knickers in a twist about their appeal. Um, Great collegiate. Uh, some, of them, some of them threatened to, to appeal again and then didn't do it uh, there are all kinds of rumors floating around about well if we lose we're going to do x y and z and i think in the end it was ended up being not much ado about nothing but you saw i think there were 15 people voting on these appeals yeah that's what i think yeah I counted. And, and and so some of these schools that wanted to appeal again they lost the first one like 12 to 3 or 11 to 4 you got to convince a lot of people to change their vote. <laughs> yeah. What data are you presenting that's going to change that many minds? If you if it went eight seven, yeah, maybe uh, you change one person sure, and that yeah. flips it. Nine and six, yeah. Now you you just got to flip two. It, it, it's, I anyway. I, again, I don't. It is what it is. If it's twelve to three, you likely aren't winning a second no. appeal. I don't care what we're talking about. Yeah. If you lose it, your appeal, that's 12 a beating. To three, that you got donkey stomp. Yep. You did not present enough data to convince enough people that to to see your argument. Um, there were some schools that got put in 4A. They appealed back down to 3A, so on and so forth. Um, we've beat that horse to death um, before about charter schools and public schools and things like that. But the realignment is all set. The regions are set. We all know what they're going to look like and it's scary I, I i know that sounds stupid but it it really is scary if if you're a fan or a coach looking at that region region three five a now holy smokes what there where's there an easy what there's and, and we've way. dealt with northwestern before so this is not oh, yeah. a you know this is not a, a their first rodeo in region three five a no it, you're talking about a football team under Paige Wofford, who I think they went to the upper state championship last year. They went to the state championship the year before. Yep. I, know, I know that's 4A. I get that. But it's the Northwestern <laughs> still Trojans. still have to win. And, and by the way, Bubba Pittman and the Rock Hill Bearcats, they ain't all that bad neither. No, they're not. And so it, it's – but like Coach Michael Allen the Falcons say, the town Fort Mill play a little football. Um, we're going to find out because Rock Hill, Northwestern, Region 3, 5A opponents. What I love selfishly is we don't have to travel that far. Right. Um, that makes getting to the yeah. to the venues a little bit easier, especially sure. when we're broadcasting. It'll be you're not having to wait in traffic to go all the way down 521 to get somewhere or wherever. You're, the furthest south you're going to go is home of the Bearcats, uh, which is right there off of what is it? North right Anderson by the mall, Road. and that's an easy drive. That easy drive. Rock Hill High School is right off the freaking highway. Um, off Fire Tower Road down there where new houses are going in, by the way. Crazy. Oh, yeah. um, northwestern, as far west as Clover, and as far east, you just got to go across the creek <laughs> to where the Indian Land Warriors are. So, yeah, it's going to be what I hope to see is attendance get bigger because there's a lot of fans that – that Tuesday night at Blythewood, and this is no crack at Blythewood. A lot of people ain't making that. That's drive. a long trip. Yes, sir. Or Spring ba- and Spring Valley's further. Yeah, Spring Valley, you got to go all the way. I think the two notch. Yep. And and kind of snake your way around. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm hoping that that means bigger crowds. So now that an Indian Land has to play Fort Mill at the Hive, or or now that a Northwestern has to go up to the Nest, or whether Catawba Ridge now has to tangle with Cousin Kenny and the Rock Hill Bearcats. Um, 
you know that it's just I'm I'm over. And we here were playing like, them anyway. Wow. We, we were yeah. playing the Indian lands and the Northwesterns and we the Catawba Ridges. So we're. it's this is really not going to be any different. It's just going to be more convenient and it's going to be for a lot more than it, just some means, town pride. It means a lot, and and these regions are daunting. Um, I will. I know we talk about the league a lot. I'll give the league a ton of credit. They put a lot of thought and effort into this. Yes, what they came up with was quote-unquote controversial. You knew it was going to be. It had to be. When you're involving this many schools and this many people, and people are really, really jacked about athletics, that they're, they, they love their school. So there's a lot of passion involved with it. But I think in the end, what the league ended up doing, without there being a silver bullet, it, it, it could have looked a lot worse. I think that's fair to say. I think they did the best that they could with what they had. And yeah. if you even look at the regions, they look like they you know, almost similar to Region 35A, where everybody's kind of close by, don't have to travel a whole yes. heck of a lot, and yet they're going to be competitive as well from top to bottom. Yep. And so that, that'll be real interesting. So – um, I think that's all we have for this week. Um, real quickly here, as we're recording this on Sunday, um, it's the fourth quarter between Kansas City and Baltimore. You want to take a stab at what the score is? Well, last I saw in the third, it was 17-7 Chiefs, but I haven't looked at it. So going into this game, who did you have? Because you're, you're Mr. Statistics, and this quarterback plays bad on Sundays at 4 o'clock when the bells ring. I... You've probably seen my rant about Lamar Jackson not being able to win a big game, yes. and that is um, I'm holding to my guns and, and taking the Chiefs on that. Well, we're about to sign off. There's eight and a half minutes to play fourth quarter in Maryland. Kansas City 17, Baltimore Ravens 7. It's still 17-7, huh? I think Lamar Jackson, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think his playoff record is 2-3. and three. I think it's very Dak Prescott like. Yeah. And and phenomenal athlete. Phenomenal. Great quarterback. Can do things most people can't. Especially at Louisville. He was yep. unbelievable. He was, but even at Louisville, had a hard time winning the bit at Clemson. Yeah. They had the Tigers on the ropes not once but twice and didn't get it done either time. Mm -hmm. Um so this is not new for better or for worse for Lamar Jackson, who just it's incredible what what he does with a football it's it, it's he's like a wide receiver meets a running back meets a quarterback all at the same time and the size of a linebacker oh it's just <laughs> can run like the wind blows but and then Kansas in game two I'm, I'm i i would feel good for mccaffrey sure Look, all four of these teams i'm okay with whoever wins the super bowl i'm all right with it yeah, there's no not a team i don't like them. yeah but sentimentally i would love to see the Chicago Cubs, I mean, uh, the Detroit Lions <laughs> make some noise and, and try and win a Super Bowl after they're the only team that's gone, what, 0-16 in the league before before the Panthers may do it next year. Yeah, but, um, yeah. So did Cleveland do it or no? I'm not I sure. The but Lions, yeah. But that's the trivia question. There's only five teams in the NFL that have never been to the Super Bowl. And they're one of them. And they are one of them. And then Jacksonville. Yep. Um, the Browns. Yep. The Vikings. Nope. Vikings, the Vikings have been there. Okay. Uh, Browns. In fact, the Vikings are what, 0-5 in the Super Bowl? Yeah, that's right. You're right about that when They were the purple people eater. Yep. Um, so. So Jacksonville. Lions, Jacksonville. Browns. <sighs> Lions are oh. four. And who's the fifth? You're close when you said Jacksonville. Um, Miami. No, they've won one, obviously, yeah. 72. Yeah. The Houston Texans. Yes, okay. So Jackson, They were in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Houston Texans, Jacksonville Jaguars, Detroit Lions, Cleveland Browns. And who's the – oh, God, if we just – The fifth one? Well, say, say again? What, the fifth one? That fifth one, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, it's De already – Detroit, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Houston, and – anyway, the, p the point of the story is the Detroit Lions – here's the thing. Before there was the NFL, when it was – you know, you had the National Football League and the American Football the Chargers. League. Chargers. 
Yeah, the Chargers have been to the Super Bowl. Yeah, okay. Stan Humphreys led oh, the yeah, Chargers, yeah, and they right. lost in the 90s. Yeah. Um, anyway, the point but, was, but I'm but sorry. The point, but the point is is that the Detroit Lions, they had world championships before there was an NFL. Right. Yep. They've not been a, a, a bad franchise their entire existence. They used to be – I think they had four world championships. I believe the Browns also had a couple too, yeah, they didn't did. they? Yep. Yeah, you're talking about championship-level football. But when the NFL became – the deal i think the lions this is only the second time they've been to the nfc championship game. yeah um and so we'll see how it pans out I, just my opinion uh, sentimentally i'm pulling for the lions but i think on paper if debo samuel plays and he plays even at the half capacity right and he plays four quarters i think the niners have too many weapons. he's a bad man he is a bad <laughs> bad dude and as a Clemson Tiger, I'm glad he's not wearing a right. Gamecock on the side of his helmet anymore. <laughs> he was awful to watch because it was just up and down, up and down. But you're right. George Kittle, uh, Brock Purdy, uh, CMC, uh, that Braden IU kid's pretty dang good, He's too. not bad. He's not bad. Um, but I think it, can the Detroit Lions offensively, can they get into San Francisco? Because you're no longer in Ford Field. Right. This is in the Bay, and that's a tough. T- that's a tough thing to ask. You're it on, always the, has on been. the road, NFC Championship. But I will remind people: Jared Goff, before he was traded to Detroit, he led the Rams into the this deep into the playoffs. This is not his first road. Right. So, if there's somebody that can do it, but Detroit's got some injuries as well, can they keep up? That'll be interesting to see. The winners go to the Super Bowl. Wow, man, we're already at the Super Bowl, and you know, here we are. As Carolina Panthers fans are, uh, we're suffering a little bit, just not sure exactly what's going on. You got to hope that maybe Dan Morgan may know what he's doing. Uh, the new uh, head coach from Tampa has developed some fairly mediocre quarterbacks into getting the most out of them. I believe Baker Mayfield got his first 4,000-yard season this season. And despite the fact that Tampa Bay um, was kind of in the bottom of the offensive rankings all season long, they did find a way to get into the playoffs. They and did. So that's that's encouraging for the Panthers. So uh, hopefully he can work with Bryce Young to try to uh, get him a little bit more developed and maybe see a few extra wins this season. Yeah, I've got my own thoughts about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying thing. to be positive, yeah. but uh, what I'm yeah. thinking about the whole thing is not yeah. exactly what I'm showing right now. Uh, Daniel Snyder 2.0. Yes, um, Probably, but – And Jera. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, let's not go there. But, yeah, so all you crazy football fans, uh, get some of that. That'll be a whole lot of fun. Um, and that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to be on the show, let us know. Uh, especially with all the spring sports about to kick off, uh, soccer, both boys and girls. Um, you've got uh, lacrosse. lacrosse is in there. You got baseball. You got softball. They're all firing up lacrosse. Track tennis. Um, track and field is all going to go off here really, really soon. Uh, I think baseball gets going the end of February. Those games count. And uh, yeah, because our what our scrimmages are around the twelfth, I believe our yeah. first ones. That's. Yeah. That's not long away. Yeah, and, <laughs> and by the way, some teams are already in their tryout phase. Some are about to start it on Monday. We start Monday. Uh, yep. Best of luck to all the kids who are Absolutely. going out for these spots. Um, it, it's tough. All these sports, it's really, really tough to make these teams. And then you got to fight and scratch and claw to get playing time. So, yep. um, and, and also, from the bottom of my heart, uh, best of luck to the coaches and making the best decisions possible. Uh, those decisions are never easy. Never. They're never fun. Um, I've heard coach after coach after coach say that it's sleepless nights. It's they don't eat. They don't. They can't just do anything because of their mind. That did I make the right decision, or did we make the right decision as a staff? Mm-hmm. Um, so the end of the season and, and cut days is the two worst days for a coach. So, um, and as coaches ourselves, we know that feeling. Yep. Um, and it sucks. Yeah, we're gonna, be, no we're gonna be we're gonna be a little sick this week. Oh, there's sure. gonna be yeah, th- it's gonna be a really really long week for us old coaches because there's some tough decisions <laughs> to be made. But um, but again, big ups to all the players and all the coaches. Thanks for all you do. Again, if you want to be on the show, reach out to us. Let us know. We'd love to have you on. You don't have to be a player or a coach. You can be a fan if you want to come on here and just talk hoops. Invited anytime. You do not have to officially. Uh, 
reach out to us and have a formal invitation. You want to come when we're recording and hang out? By all means. Um, we'd love to have you if you want to talk hoops, you want to talk football, you want to talk whatever. Uh, we'd love to have you on and, and talk about that stuff. So uh, that's going to do it for us. Um, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody about the podcast. Uh, we'd love to have more fans, and we'll answer any questions you might have. On behalf of my buddy Keith Cook, voice of the Nation Ford Falcons, I'm JT, and we'll see you crazy kids next week for another edition of Mally Milltowners. And until then, so long, everybody.